What a privilege it is to be at Calvary, to have the opportunity to minister God's Word today. And it's always a privilege and honor for me to open God's Word, but especially here, and I'm grateful to Pastor Baker for his kind invitation. I have a couple of suggestions for you. I am so grateful that Rick Baker is the pastor to my extended family and to many of you that I've known all my life. As he's away studying this week, uh, would you do this? Uh, Grab a notepad, uh, grab a card, get his email address, do something, send him a note and tell him that you thank the Lord for him and for his ministry. I have never run into a pastor yet who said to me, Steve, I've had far too much encouragement from that congregation. So if you encourage him, encourage him more. And you are blessed with the ministry of Pastor Steve. God didn't give me a face where I can smile and talk at the same time. (laughs) I either talk or I smile. Pastor Steve has a sweet spirit in leading today, and uh, you're blessed and we're blessed. Prior to 1885... There had not been developed a vaccine for rabies. So the story is told of a man in the southwest on his farm, and his dog had tangled with a rabid raccoon. After the dog had tangled with it, of course, the dog became rabid. The farmer didn't know it, and his dog attacked him, bit him repeatedly. When he went to see the physician, the physician said, really, there's no answer. There's there's no help for this. I'm sorry to tell you that you will die a lingering, painful death. My only advice is, please, to put your life in order, sort out for the future. The man asked for a pad of paper. He got the paper, asked for a writing instrument, and he began to write. When the doctor came back into his room, the man was continuing to write, and the doctor said, I'm so glad that, that you took my advice, and here you are making out your will. The man said, oh, I'm not making out my will. I'm writing down the names of the people I want to bite. <laughs> Who's on your list? Who's hurt you? Who sinned against you? Who's wronged you? And the quietness in the auditorium lets me know this, that for a lot of us, there's a name in your head right now. The purpose of all we want to do this morning, by God's grace and his word, is this that by God's grace, we would be set free and leave with a spirit of forgiveness. We'd leave with a spirit of forgiveness. The text that we're going to look at is found in Matthew chapter 18. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn there with me. The background is this. Matthew 18, Jesus is describing for the disciples interpersonal relationships and says this, if your brother sins against you, Then you go to him one-on-one. If your brother hears you, you've won your brother. That's the end of it. If your brother doesn't hear you, 
Then you take two or three others, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, it'll be established what has gone on. If your brother still doesn't hear you, then you take it to the church. And when you take it to the church, and he still doesn't hear you, then he's treated as an outsider. Peter, who loved asking questions, basically went, Lord, I got a question. How many times does my brother get to sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? You need to know the background. In the day in which Peter spoke, rabbis taught this. After one offense, you must forgive. After two offenses, you must forgive. After three offenses, you must forgive. But on the fourth offense, you must not forgive. That resonates with us, doesn't it? If somebody hurt you, deeply wounded you, and they came to you and said, I am so sorry, it won't happen again, would you forgive me? You forgive them? A week later, they do the same thing. And they come to you in tears again and said, oh, I'm so sorry, I told you I wasn't going to do it again, but I've done it again. Would you forgive me? And you forgive them the second time. If it happened the third time, you might be inclined. But most of us would like to follow what the rabbis taught and say, the fourth time, not on your life. Wouldn't we? It's, it's okay to shake your head. Uh, I won't remember who shook their, my heads afterwards, and I'm not taking account. And Jesus says to Peter, who says seven times, P- Peter thought like he was about the most spiritual guy that Jesus had ever run into. I forgive my brother up to seven times. And Jesus says, up to 70 times seven. Or some of you may have in your text, 77 times. I'm not going to debate with you this morning whether Jesus said 49 times, 77 times, 490 times. The fact is, the point is clear. Jesus calls on followers of him to exhibit the spirit and action of forgiveness. Because when we exhibit a spirit and a life of forgiveness, we reflect our Lord Jesus. We reflect our Lord Jesus. You you may have prayed early this morning, Lord, today I want to be more like Jesus. And if you prayed that this morning, Jesus' word to us today is we need to be people of forgiveness. To illustrate it as he often did, Jesus told a story. You know the story well. A man owes a tremendous amount to the king. We'll pick it up. Verse 23 of Matthew 18, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, 
The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Stop there. First thing to notice. Forgiveness deals with sin. We're not talking about, oh, somebody disagreed with us on what hockey team we cheer for. Pastor Baker and I cheer for the Boston Bruins uh, because we used to cheer for the Leafs, but we took 1 Corinthians 13 to heart when we were children, we thought as children, and when we became men, we became Bruins fans. We're not talking about some silly argument like that. We're talking about sin. Someone sinned against you. He cheated on you. You were bullied. You look at your home and say, why were my parents like that? You go to your job and and you do your best and you say, listen, I, I don't deserve to get treated like this. talking about sin. Because when we're going to forgive, it's not something silly. It's something deep. And it's tough, isn't it? Jesus outlines for us what's to be done in this whole area of forgiveness. If I sound this morning like I'm getting after you. I really don't want to be. I want to be encouraging you to be free. I haven't come this morning to say, hey, I've got the corner on forgiveness. You ought to get it. It's something I struggle with every day. Every day. And some days better than others, but far too often I have to come back to the Lord Jesus and say, I've allowed that person into my life, and they're captivating me. Lord Jesus, would you set me free and enable me to forgive them? Jesus says, regarding the king, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Forgiveness deals with sin, but forgiveness erases the act. Let's follow it through. God who is omniscient, therefore, by definition, knows everything. If he forgot anything, he would cease to be omniscient and he would never have been God. But since he is God, he is omniscient, and there is absolutely nothing that he can forgive. But you say, but I read in the text that God's promise is, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Doesn't that mean God forgets? Well, since he can't forget... But he's promised that he will not remember our sins and our iniquities against us. What's the answer? Choice. God looks at our sin and chooses, because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus, to forgive us. He erases the act. You've quoted this, I'm sure, to yourself. Many times, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son cleanses us from all sin. And we are so glad, aren't you, that for our sin, with the blood of the Lord Jesus, we've been washed and and the record's clean. The record's clean that we're not going to arrive in heaven and have just a second before you get in. 
Here's the list. It's been dealt with at the cross. He erases the act. He chooses never to raise it against us again. I've said, maybe you've said, I've heard it said, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. I'm 56 years old. Let me tell you this. I forget all kinds of things. So do you. In Sault Ste. Marie one Sunday, I walk in the front door, and I usually went right to my office. I didn't go to my office, and I set my Bible down somewhere. It came closer to the service. I'm looking in my office saying, well, I always leave my Bible in my office, so it's got to be here. I search through. Finally, I walked back outside the church, walked through the door in the hope that whatever caught my attention when I had walked through there a half hour earlier would again attract my attention, walked through the door and went, oh yeah, that's where I left it. I have reading glasses. A lady said to me one time, they were like that. She said to me about the reading glasses in my hand. She said, are the re- Pastor, are the reason that those glasses in your hand because you couldn't find those that are hanging there? She was right. <laughs> we forget stuff all the time. You say, we're not talking about glasses and Bibles missing. Mills were talking about they sinned against me. And so, quite honestly, you're faced with what I'm faced with. Forgiveness being a choice. We're going to choose to forgive that person, that circumstance, those people. I read this summer regarding forgiveness, unforgiveness, that often we have what the writer called a cherished hurt. I like that. A cherished hurt. You know, something that's really deep and you know right well when you tell somebody else that they will agree with you that you have been sinned against and that person is terrible and and we take out our cherished hurt and and we polish it up. We we know the right people to do that with. We we polish it up and then we put it away and then when it's necessary we, we haul it out again. Have you discovered this? That as long as you have that, you're in bondage. As long as that stays there, you're in bondage. A man in one of the churches we served was uh, something of a thorn in the flesh to me. I wished that God would either take him or take me. And in my bluest moments, I asked the Lord to take me so I wouldn't have to spend time in heaven with him. Uh, And you know what I discovered? I moved from that situation hundreds of miles differently. But every time that man's name came to my mind, in my heart, I hadn't seen him for years. I called a friend in that town, and towards the end of the conversation, I said to the friend, oh, tell me how so-and-so is. Do you think I really want to know how so-and-so was? I was 
even my friend knew that I was being sarcastic to ask that question. My friend said, oh, he's doing really well. I said, he is? He said, yeah, the last six weeks he's been in heaven. He died six weeks ago. And all of a sudden, it was like God by his spirit took the two by four and nailed me right here. Because once I knew he was in heaven, it was like, it's gone. It's gone. He's in heaven. Good. We'll see him there. And it dawned on me that for years, I had been in bondage to that He wasn't sitting at home worrying about me. Honestly, there were times I came out on the platform, looked down, and went, oh. You got something like that in your life? Erases the act. You say, yeah, I've had this cherished, but Lord, I come today and I release it. I release him. I release her. The basis on which we do that is the supernatural work of God the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives because God is not calling us, I'm not calling us today to simply grit our teeth and be better people. I I, I know I should love him, I know I should love her, so I'll pull up my socks and try to be nicer, put them on my Christmas card list this year, uh, etc. No. You've been sinned against. And if you've been sinned against, it's going to take supernatural forgiveness in order to extend forgiveness to that person. And you say, what's the model? Jesus gives us the model in the story. The man who owed all those talents, that's 6,000 denarii in a talent, one denarii was a day's wages. I'm not a mathematician, but this much I could figure out. 60 million days of wages the servant owed. Got it? 60 million days. You say, well, nobody could ever... Nobody ever lives that long. Nobody could do that. Exactly. Exactly. That's why we need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive my sin. Before I'm looking at my brother to forgive my sin, when I consider what Jesus did for me at Calvary, when he hung between heaven and earth, and God the Father took all the sin of all the world for all time, and placed it on his son. And something happened in the Godhead then that had never happened before and has never happened since. Jesus cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why was that? Because my sin had been placed on him. Because your sin had been placed on him. And so while I revel in God's grace, Jesus' words to his disciples, to us, this. We're that first servant. We're the one owing 60 million days of wages that can never be repaid. And then the Lord Jesus, the debt was canceled. 
never to be raised against us again. Do you know what happened with that servant? He went out and found another servant. The other servant owed him a hundred days of wages. He had just been forgiven 60 million days of wages. He goes out and finds someone that owes him a hundred days of wages. Now, let's be realistic. The 60 million days of wages, that, I mean, that blows our minds. A hundred days of wages is not insignificant, is it? Uh, if you think it's insignificant, please see me afterwards. I'd be glad to take your hundred days of wages. Hundred days of wages causes you to stop and think. He grabs him. The text tells us he chokes him and says, you'll pay me all. That second servant asked the very same question as the first one. Made the same offer. Give me time. Would you give me time and, and, and I'll repay? He wouldn't. Sent him to a debtor's prison. And when we read that and we think to ourselves, wow, look at how much that servant had been forgiven. Comparatively, look how little that other servant, and he wouldn't forgive him. And I come to the cross. As Pastor Steve mentioned earlier, when I see a glimpse of the holiness of God, no wonder Isaiah says, woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of sinful lips. Always when we see ourselves in light of who God is and what he's done, we're overwhelmed with forgiveness. Jesus comes to the end of his story. And notice, verse 34, and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. The king says to the servant, you wicked servant. We began, the first point is this, that forgiveness is about sin. Jesus says unforgiveness is wicked. It's evil. Even when you can have lots of people agree with you that you have been sinned against, you have been hurt, you have been treated abysmally, and you have every right to feel that way, based on the forgiveness that we have in the Lord Jesus, Jesus says unforgiveness is wicked. Of all the things that make us look most like the world, Nothing makes us look more like the world than if we have the spirit of unforgiveness. If we have the spirit that says, I don't get mad, I get even. And lastly, forgiveness denied is costly. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Jesus applies it. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart.
if we want to hang on to that unforgiveness, if we want to hang on to that cherished hurt, if we want to hang on to that devastation, Jesus says, it'll be costly. It'll be costly. It's costly to us spiritually because we may as well save our breath in saying, God, bless me today. God, would you speak to me today? When, when he does speak to us and he puts that person maybe right now on your heart and mind, we say, Lord, maybe something else, but not this. Lord, ask me for something else that's a little bit easier. Spiritually, we fail. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Those that have a spirit of unforgiveness pay the price. Don't be caught with this lie. Sometimes we have the notion that if we don't extend forgiveness, then, then we will make that other person pay a little bit. And we like having them on the hook. We like having them somehow indebted to us. And we think that if we extend forgiveness and set them free, that, that, that somehow it won't be fair. By God's grace, when we extend forgiveness and set them free, do you know what we discover? We're free. We are free. Would you go back in your heart and life to consider what might be a cherished hurt for you? That today you would bring to the Heavenly Father and say, would you empower me by your spirit to forgive this person? If you're still saying, too tough, Mills. Corey Tenboom wrote The Hiding Place, and many of you know the story that Corey and her sister Betsy were in Ravensbrück, the concentration camp, where they were abused terribly. There was one officer who had especially abused Betsy. Betsy died in that camp. Years later, when Corey Tenboom was speaking, she looked out, and that very guard, that very officer, was there in the audience. He came up to her afterwards. He had a smile on his face to tell her that he had trusted the Lord Jesus as his personal Savior. He stuck out his hand to shake her hand. She writes that in her heart she prayed, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I can't forgive. And in that moment of time, the Spirit of God interceded on Corey's behalf to do for Corey what she could never do for herself. And she felt the spirit of forgiveness she clasped the man's hand and extended forgiveness. 
that may be what it takes for you today. That the most you can do is to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, I can't forgive. I, I, I want to forgive, but it's so deep, it so hurts. I beg you in Jesus' name, would you come to the place of saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Help me to forgive. In a moment, the piano's going to play. We're not going to end with a song today. I'm going to invite you to do this. Would you bow where you are? Speak to the Heavenly Father about what He has spoken to you about through His Word. Maybe there's a person, maybe there's a situation, maybe there's a phone call you're going to make, need to make this afternoon. Maybe there's a visit that you're going to need to make. For some of you, there isn't the possibility of personally extending forgiveness. The person's gone. But you would take that to the Heavenly Father and say, Oh God, release me from my bitterness. Release me from this hurt. And in Jesus' name, by the power of His Spirit, that's exactly what His design is for you today. Would you do that? Would you bow with me now? Just time of quietness. Piano plays. You talk to the Heavenly Father. Thank you, our Father, for your grace extended to us in the person of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the sweet blessing of forgiveness. You know the struggle of our hearts. We pray today that we bring that person, that circumstance to the cross. That you would enable us by your power to forgive. You might heal us from the inside out. We thank you for your care for us. We thank you for your love for us. We go today to be your people, people of grace, where you've called us to be. For your glory alone, as we pray in the strong and mighty name of the Lord Jesus.